Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We are here today to talk about the Las Vegas Grand Prix, the spectacle, the show, and a little bit of racing. 99% show, 1% racing, right? Uh, here to talk to me about this, uh, Abby, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Ollie. I'm a bit tired because, you know, it was an early start for UK viewers. I'm still not used to those early starts for races, but I'm good. How are you? I'm good, and I know one man that's going to claim that he's more tired than you, and his name is Sam. Sam, how are you? And funnily enough, I'm the only male on the panel who's not a father or about to be a father, um, who we all know like to monopolise uh, being tired. Um, in fairness, actually, James is not like that. Um, he's used I'll to just do wait. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm, I'm okay. I, I am tired. I've done a lot of breaking news um, slots uh, over the weekend, so that's basically hanging around in case there's breaking news uh, through the night. And also, I did a session report. And uh, yeah, had quite a busy weekend, but I'm good. Partly, I'm partly happy because it looks like James is holding his microphone and looks like he's about to eat it. <laughs> it looks like a big ice cream, and it's it's making me feel happier. So thank you for that. Whatever works for you, man. <laughs> How are you, James? I'm right, and if it is a competition, I will win it on tiredness. Because yeah, I've got a baby kept me up all night. Got up with the rest of you for Vegas, and then did back to back commentaries. And yeah, I'm still at work, hence holding the microphone, but committed to the cause, having just done the Women's Champions League final in Africa. And you know what happens? Yeah, half an hour, you just have to talk after it finishes until they give out all the trophies. (laughs) It's been a long day. How are you, Ollie? 
I, I, by comparison to you all, I'm absolutely fine. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> All right, let's get into our weekend ratings. So our weekend ratings, just to be clear this weekend, for the Las Vegas Grand Prix will include the opening ceremony because it was it was part of this show. Um, so when Abby asked this before we started recording, she, she she was very unhappy about this and she had to start recalculating her weekend rating and she, she started having to do averages and all sorts. So I'm going to throw it to you, Abby. Um, how would you rate this weekend out of 10? 7.3. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, I had a race rating. A mockery I had Mackenzie scale. <laughs> an opening ceremony rating, and I had a national anthem rating. And Ollie said I have to put it all into one. So seven point three was the average. Yeah. Oh, waiting suspense to see what got what. But I didn't say you put the national mean? anthem rating in there. Well, it's part of the weekend. I'll give you that separately. <laughs> okay. All right. Any reason for your 7.3 or you're just dropping that and you're off you go? I added them all up and divided it by three and that's what the calculator said. Okay. Me. All right. <laughs> um, James, how would you rate it and what did you think of the weekend? Well, clearly Abby, clearly Abby's got it down to a fine art. Um, but I was going to say, like, I obviously thought about this beforehand in the minute or so I had between work and, and doing this. I, I think it's maybe the hardest weekend rating i can remember like parts of it were awful which yep. we will get onto parts of it were a, a, a 0.1 parts of it exceeded expectations and i honestly don't know where to fall i don't know what's more important is it the show is it the uh, I, I genuinely i don't know I, i'm gonna give it a 5.5 Wow. Okay. On the balance of things, because I think there were th some things that were too important that were, that were too bad mm -hmm. that we can't just gloss over. And it wasn't, that's still above average overall. So, you know. <laughs> above five, yeah. Um, okay. All right. Uh, Sam. I would say that the show, uh, the racing is more important than the show. However, given the issues of the show, um, I think that that plays into my, my thinking quite considerably what they got wrong boy did they get wrong like and we spoke about in the pre-vegas show when expectations are high you've got to deliver and that first day was an absolute mess so that is obviously going to heavily factor into the the waiting as for the racing pleasantly surprised i was like this is actually a good race part of it yes will be factors that I think will have changed for next year. So next year, you know, I don't think I'm going to be as generous. Uh, but I enjoyed the race um, through the kind of 6am delirium uh, that we watched it through, or 7am for James. Talks about being tired. 7am, honestly. Uh, but I'm going to give it a, a 6.5 uh, because, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the race, but what came before was not good enough. Okay, so uh, Sam's clearly um, zoning in on the practice one incident, which we will get to in just a moment. Um, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. And I thought, right, and we have to base this on the fact that F1 have invested $500 million into this, right? This is a, this is a big show. This is a big race. This is a big event for them. And things didn't go well, and there were errors that shouldn't have been made, 
But these things can happen when you're doing something on this scale. Things get overlooked. I thought the opening ceremony was absolutely insane. Um, I haven't seen anything like that in my life. And I, it's it's the future of what F1's going to be. And I think you've got to be on the bandwagon with it if this is the way that the sport wants to go. So I, I enjoyed it. And I thought the race was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So it's a 9 out of 10 from me. Are you using the McKenzie scale? Are you saying it's nearly a perfect weekend? <laughs> I'm saying I'm more forgiving than you guys are. (laughs) James is getting very protective, given it's got his name on it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get into practice. And this is where I'm sure there's going to be a lot of conversation. So, Abby, what happened in practice one? At the beginning, quite a lot. At the end, not a lot. Because all drivers went out on track, all tyre compounds were being used, but within the first 10 minutes, the session was red flagged, it was then announced that it would not be restarted, and it was cancelled, because Carlos Sainz, and if you were following his onboard or saw the replays of his onboard, you would hear the sound that the incident made, because there was a loose drain cover on the track that he went over, and it caused a significant amount of damage to his Ferrari. And Esteban Ocon also suffered from the same problem. A loose, the loose drain cover hit his car and damaged it as well. There was an onboard from Alonso, but he managed to avoid it. But because this drain cover was loose, it caused damage to two cars, it caused the session to be red flagged, and it meant that they then had to, one, fix that one, fix that drain cover, but also check that all of the others weren't going to do the same thing because it is dangerous and is a safety hazard. So FP1 was like less than 10 minutes of running and Leclerc, Hulkenberg and Magnussen were the top three in those first 10 minutes. Okay, so I guess it's time to talk about the drain cover. Um, James, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously, you're more annoyed about it than me. Um, Do these things happen when you're at a new circuit or when you're on a street track? They can happen. Um, I mean, we've seen it happen elsewhere. It happened in Baku. It happened in Monaco. It certainly can happen. It's just the way in which it was dealt with that wasn't good enough, as Sam said earlier. Mm-hmm. When you've paid, you know, almost a grand for a Thursday slash Friday ticket, whatever you want to call it. Uh, when they went on sale, for, we all know about the kind of decreasing prices recently, but that's what a lot of those people paid for eight minutes of running. That happens, but when the bottom line is that they get kicked out, having waited there the whole evening into the wee hours, and then just before the cars come back, back out on track, they get kicked out. You know, just stick around, buy some merch, buy some overpriced food, food, and then clear off because we don't want to pay overtime it just seems like a massive oversight on the basics when you have put in hundreds of millions as you've said and that is the part of it that's unacceptable for me mm, okay and I, I i think you know there's two points there there's the manhole cover and then there's the fans not seeing any action because um of the working hours now my understanding was it wasn't that they didn't want to pay overtime it was that the working hours there was a restriction on it and all the people working there weren't allowed to stay on and obviously the, i was thinking about this the only backup plan you'd have is to have an entire new shift ready just in case something like that happened which is i am being a bit defensive but i think that's a big backup plan to have an entire another you know uh, shift of people ready to look after the crowd equally if 
if you are going to have insist upon making it a night race and doing it at that time, then I think you do have to have those kind of contingency plans in place because that's their choice. And if those laws exist, then it's on you to sort something out about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a fair point. Sam, what, what, what's your take on this? I think that it's the the the, the water valve cover is less of an issue for me. These things, not only street circuits, we've seen it happen at Sepang in Malaysia before. It does, it does happen. How F1 then responded was not acceptable. So delaying the session, doing all that, absolutely fine. Safety is paramount. The fact that there was damage to the underside of uh, Carlos Sainz's survival cell, like apparently there was actually a hole in his cockpit floor, that is damage to seats as well, right? Ex- exactly. That just says how dangerous that could have been, right? So, absolutely right in being thorough. After that point, it's, it's very difficult to to know that that's going to happen. Yes, they maybe could have been pro- more proactive, and I think it will be a lesson learned for Liberty Media and the current uh, management of Formula One. What came after, though? Yeah, yeah I mean. I'm somewhere. I think I'm somewhere between Ollie and James on 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 this. I think it is a bit of an edge case having to extend shifts, but also James is right that you know it's a night race. You open the track later. You should have had plans in place. But the way that they treated the fans was completely unacceptable. If you thought that was a risk, call it early. Say, by the way, we've got a problem here. Move the session. Say that's it. We're done for the night. But you you will be admitted entry tomorrow. Even if you only have a Thursday ticket, we're going to give you the whole second day free, as well. Like you know, you can you, know, you can have qualifying as well, as a as a gesture of goodwill, and then whatever else you you, you want to throw in there. Offering Thursday only ticket holders two hundred pounds of merchandise, basically, you, you you can actually you know now spend more because if you've seen what some of the things were offered, were a hundred dollars got you a pretty kind of boxy looking t-shirt or anything like that I imagine that was much more expensive so that wasn't good enough nothing was offered to the um, full day full weekend ticket holders so that is how F1 has ended up with a class action lawsuit ultimately James you're absolutely right in when you said that look, one of those people who was turfed out was bound to be a lawyer so F1 absolutely got what was coming to it and unfortunately this has been coming for a while this is where F1 has been sliding towards and it is something we see across companies now. Like how many of you have your internet provider or your phone provider or whoever offer much better rates for new customers than loyal customers who have been with them for a while? It's true. Loyal, the model has changed and F1 is focusing more on newer fans than it is traditional fans and that is a problem and those traditional fans are going to be there for the long haul. The newer fans, it's we're seeing the post kind of Netflix bump still. We're still in that phase and it will tail off. We've seen it with other forms of motorsport in the past. NASCAR had a heyday and it tailed off and is nowhere near as popular as it used to be. F1 needs to be prepared for that. And I just don't think there's the foresight business-wise and also just there's 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 a decency to it and they miss the mark and mm. you know we live in the UK we're used to, to to governments that are always doing u-turns and always messing up and then having to try and claw it back you know 
it's it's a well-trodden path at this stage, right? And it's not good enough. So, so we've covered UK business, um, how it works. We've covered the UK government. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, all part it's, of the deal with because, it, because it's a microcosm of wider society. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I'm glad that no one so far, and Abby, I'm going to throw it to you in a minute, but I'm, I'm glad that none of you have actually um, zoned in on this um, on this drain cover or whatever they call it in America. Same thing. Um, because... That's what it's all about, been about on social media. You know, how on earth could this happen? And people have short memories. They forget that it was Baku 2019, George Russell, FP1. Um, his car was completely taken out by a drain cover as well, and he couldn't take part in FP2. This, these things do happen. So I'm glad, and I just wanted to remind people that that also happened and there wasn't such a big backlash about it. Um, Abby, do you share the same thoughts as what we've already discussed? Or do you have a different take? No, I I do agree with what you three have said. And I think it's easy to go, oh, it's a new circuit. Okay, this happened. It destroyed the cars. Let's blame them for not checking the circuit and making it safe enough. It can be easy to do that. But like you say, Oli, you have to remember that it has happened in the past. These things do happen. And it was unfortunate. Science did get a penalty. But F1 just needs to work on fixing it and thinking of all contingency plans and solutions to it in case it does happen in the future. Yeah, so you brought me on to the next point, which was the science penalty, right? Um, James, I'm going to th- throw it to you first to, to, to discuss this, because it was a it was a weird one. It was a stupid one. <laughs> I mean... Oh. <laughs> like, like, honestly, it's... Well, the, the stewards made clear that they basically would have bent the rules if they could. You know, it, like... That was the the wording was we we don't like that we have to enforce this penalty, yeah, and rightfully so because it's an absolute joke. In what other, it's hard to find a parallel in other sports, but it's just so common sense. I mean, it's like if you, you know, someone crashing into your house and then making you pay for it. I really hope that doesn't happen, um, but. <laughs> F1 has done this before, right? And we go back to Abu Dhabi 2021 when they did change the rules to on the fly. So they've done it before. Is that why they couldn't do it again, do you think, Sam? But, I mean, I personally hadn't married those two together in my thinking. I, I, but it's true, I right? Think, they, they were able to adapt the rules at one point, which was Abu Dhabi 2021. Would there be a backlash if they did it again? I think those rules were more open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think this was a more ironclad mm-hmm. rule and there wasn't the mechanism in place, a you know, a force majeure, as everyone has, you know, everyone's been wheeling out that phrase all the weekend. Um, everyone's learning what it means, including me. Um, love some, you know, lawyer speak and some some Latin. I'm assuming it's Latin. I don't know. It might not be Latin. Anyway there is clearly not the mechanism in place for them to override that. So what they need to do now is go, all right, we just need, you know, X number of teams or the unanimous vote amongst the teams that actually we think we should waive this penalty. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got 10 teams going, yeah, that would be a bit harsh. Even Max Verstappen, who gained from that penalty, was like, yeah, that's a bit rich. So it's a lesson learned, but I'm not so bothered about it being served because yeah i think i think where they could go better is they could say that damage money 
that's not going to be factored into the cost cap. We're going to give you that as a as an extra leeway because yeah, that's it's an expensive rebuild, right? Yeah, surely, um, Abby. Don't you think if if any damage is suffered to a, a car through a fault in the track, right? It cost cap and uh, any penalties should be instantly waived because there, there's not much a driver. In fact, there's nothing a driver can do about it if it is the fault of the circuit. Yeah, I think so because, like you say, there was nothing science could do. I mean, Ocon had some damage, but he didn't get a penalty because I don't think it was quite as severe as what science had. Like you said, Sam James, it, there was a hole in the cockpit and even his seat was damaged. And yes, it is in the rules and they should follow the rules. But at the same time, like he didn't crash. He didn't drive into another driver. He didn't force someone else off track. It's he got damage to his car because of the track it was unavoidable he couldn't do anything about it apart from maybe avoid it like alonso but it was out of his hands so yeah so basically you're calling for more common sense discretion with these things well yeah i'm sure this is going to well, open up another can of worms that's, though, that's isn't absolutely it? fair enough what i will say though about if you have wording in place about any damage that is caused by the track or the circuit you have to be very, very careful about that because mm-hmm. what's to stop someone hitting a wall and going, part of the track? <laughs> well, I, I, it's just as I was saying, just so, as I was saying it, I was okay, thinking, yeah. oh, oh, they've got a puncher. <laughs> oh, that was because of the curb. Or, you know, it, it can go so far, can't it? Yeah, exactly. So it's you've you, you got to be, be somewhat cautious with it. Indeed. So um, it was... 4am by the time we finished practice two, wasn't it? It was it was absolutely ridiculous. Now, that's the latest session in F1 history. Um, I just want to ask you guys what you thought of Martin Brundle whilst he was standing trackside with no crowd. The man looked um, asleep standing up. He couldn't even string a sentence together. He was slurring. It was, it was probably my fu- funniest part of the weekend. And there were a few funny parts of this weekend. It's funny, really, because, you know, we're used to night races and obviously, and the drivers fly all over the world to all different time zones all the time, you know, ridiculously so, as we pointed out in the past, kind of going from Montreal to Baku and so on. You know, they should be used to six or seven hour changes from week to week. But there's something about the setup of this Grand Prix that really messed with people. Like, you had Lewis falling asleep in the driver's press, uh, not press briefing, the, the driver briefing. And Checo taking a photo of him, you know, like it just seemed like there, there, what was it that was different that that had Martin Brundle slurring, Lewis falling asleep, and I mean the the best part of Lewis falling asleep is uh, uh, he also gave it large about time, this jet lag, and he's like, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm fine, I know you can blah blah. And it's like okay, mate, like. <laughs> well, I think that's it. If they're if they're really practiced to jet lag, right, and they they know how to adapt to it really quickly then 4am is going to be 4am to them, I guess. I think part of it is the existing night races are all going east from mm. Europe. And my experience of going to America is when I come, generally when I come back, I don't suffer with jet lag as much as I do when I go. I think going going west tends to be in my experience i could be completely wrong and someone could be uh, actually scientifically you you are wrong i found it more difficult <laughs> and also if you bear in mind uh, races like singapore the whole paddock actually stays on european time 
they just shift their day. They, they just kind of live in, live in the dark, essentially. And that's what they had to in Vegas, but also shift their... The, the timings were slightly different. They were slap bang in the middle of the night as opposed to kind of in the evening. People, so people didn't see sunlight. And yeah, there's a few factors like that. And yeah, we haven't, yeah, as I said, haven't had a, a night race in the West, I think maybe ever. So I think it that could be the uh, the deciding factor. I was just waiting for you to say circadian rhythm. You never did. You down, Sam. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just Google it first. <laughs> um, yeah, that will, that will play into it. Of course it will. Um, practice three. I, I'm going to be honest here. I miss practice three. So w- would someone like to talk through it? And I'm just going to mute my microphone and sit back. Albon hit the wall at one point and a wheel flew off. Double yellows came out. Stroll got penalised. Five place grid penalty because he overtook under double yellows. It's lucky someone was watching. <laughs> Always rely on Abby. Beautifully <laughs> yeah. summarised, well done. Yeah, Thank you. that was great. Okay, right. We're going to take a quick break and then we are going to do a Las Vegas special of the Formula Nerds quiz. Okay, so I will hand it over to Quizmaster Abby for the Formula Nerds quiz. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, that was uh, Sam. That. <laughs> <everyone woo. laughs> and the Sam goes wild. It sounded like a small female child, but it was it was Sam. <laughs> okay, there are eleven questions. It is all around Las Vegas, not necessarily the 2023 race. Um, I already love it. 11 no. questions how chaotic <laughs> <laughs> I bet you have your TV set on like 19 volume don't you Abby me no has, well I probably would my mum has like 18 21 25 no, it's got it's got to be a multiple five has to be a multiple five <laughs> anyway I will die on this but in, in the car I can't have a point five on the uh, on the temperature uh, it just it just can't happen you have to leave the car if I don't get do if I don't get up at on the hour, quarter past, half past, before two. I have to wait until the next one. <laughs> to the next day. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a lot. Of, I get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I'm often late for things. Okay. Question one: How long is one lap of the Las Vegas circuit of this year? The fastest lap, length or time? Oh yeah. Length kilometers. Six point three zero three. Very, very close. No. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll, I'll six point three. You said it so confidently. I think you just knew it. <laughs> no, I think I feel like it's one of those things that I think I'd seen a lot. But it's, it's around that. But yeah, it is. It's second longest after but after Spa, wasn't it? So it, makes sense. it is around that. It's six point two zero one. Oh, such pain. Question two. What is the official name of the Las Vegas circuit of 2023? This has gone down well. When you you edit, can you add some crickets in there? (laughs) (laughs) Or actually, what would be more more topical would be a um, tumbleweed. Tumbleweed, Tumbleweed, yeah. yeah. Um, Not that it makes a noise. Name of the circuit. Las Vegas Street Circuit. Close, but not Oh, close. hang on. It's got strip, strip in it. 
It does. It does. But that's as much as it's Las Vegas Strip. Street circuit. Street circuit. Without the street. But yeah, Las Vegas Strip. Yeah, I was only three away. That's that's a that's that like point a, if I've ever heard. That sounds like a pub. That sounds like a beer cr- like a pub crawl. But you go to strip clubs instead. Yeah, I, yeah. I had a conversation with someone about that. That's why I remembered the word strip. <laughs> Question three. Prior to 2023, Las Vegas staged two F1 races in 1981 and 1982. What were those races named as? Caesar Palace. Caesar's, Caesar's Palace. Caesar's, Caesar's Palace Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Oh, right. oh, I was hoping you'd ask who the winners were. Question four. <laughs> who won those races in 1981 and 1982? Alan Jones yep. and Michele yep. Alberto. Yep. Yes. Question five. You know, well, you know, it's how I know more about the stuff that was before I was born than the, the current <laughs> year. <That> is, <laughs> I've been busy this week. I also remember when Sam used to take the mick out of James for revising, and I have a sneaky suspicion Sam's done some revision for this quiz. <laughs> I actually haven't. Oh. Um, but, you know, uh, I should start if I, want to, if I want to be able to compete with Mr. Circadian Rhythm over here. He's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> What superpower do I have with that? The ability to go to sleep at exactly the same time every day. <laughs> Which would be awful, seeing as commentary is often on shift, shift bands. But anyway, sorry, Abby, we're, we're disrupting the flow of your quiz. <laughs> Question five. What was significant about the two drivers who finished in fifth place during the 81 and 82 Caesars Palace Grand Prix? You're such a nerd. What an outrageous question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got nothing on that. I mean, let's, right. Let's, let's work back. They're both Italian? Were they both the same person? No. What was, what was special about it was that? Significant. Yeah, what was significant about the two drivers who finished in fifth in both of Both them. of their sons went on to win a world championship themselves. Both? Mm. Both of them went on to become the world champion. Yeah, of that yeah. year. So PK year. Okay. finished fifth in 81 and was champion, and then uh, Rosberg finished fifth in 82 and was champion. Yeah, see that it. is what I meant for the record for that yeah. year, not just in general. Actually, yeah, would Jules Villeneuve have already passed away by that point? I don't know. I can't remember, he says. <laughs> I, I didn't know you were 48. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm starting to look at it. And also, I might be 48 by the time we finish this quiz. I apologise, Abby. We are delaying you. (laughs) Question six. How many drivers started the 1982 Caesars Palace Grand Prix and how many were classified at the end? Uh, 26 to start. 24, 26. 25, maybe. Um, <laughs> they used to run one car, right? Or, you know, someone made it maybe didn't yeah. make the start. Um, 22. <laughs> 20 something. The commitment on Sam each time he says a number is, I, I know this. <laughs> 16. I think we got this wrong. No, okay. That's how I'm 30 cars started 30? the race and only race? 13 were classified at the checkered flag. Oh, the good old so days. 30 going on 13. Yeah. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Question seven. Oh. 30 drivers also entered the 1981 race, but how many failed to qualify and therefore 
did not start the race. Six of them. Correct. Oh. <laughs> How? I've learned that if you say something confidently enough, <laughs> yeah. you. that is actually the right answer. I just fail upwards at everything I do. <laughs> everything I do, I do actually genuinely fail at a lot of things. <laughs> Question A. And how many drivers were classified at the end of the 1981 race? Including Michele Alboreto, who <laughs> suffered engine trouble and was classified, but with eight Fair laps points. less. Fifteen. Close, but not quite. Well, oh. Twelve. Four. Closer, <laughs> but not quite. Oh, God. Eleven. No. Okay, no, we're done. Thirteen. <laughs> Just the one that you didn't say. <laughs> yeah. Okay, question nine. The track this year starts on a previously disused piece of land. Liberty Media bought the land in 2022, but for how much? $300 million. Less than that. I feel like these could be multiple choice. (laughs) Like, (laughs) when it's like basically a number between 1 million and 200 million <laughs> it's quite hard to get exactly right 240 million dollars yeah, I, I was a cool 60 million chance <laughs> closer yeah pocket change question 10 how much did the newly built msg sphere cost to build two billion hundred no yeah two billion 260 three billion two Two point three billion. I'll give you that. Oh yeah, I mean we got all the numbers. I think I think buildings are really cheap to build. Apparently. <laughs> okay. Final question. The most expensive package available for this season's race weekend in Las Vegas was offered by Caesar's Entertainment, but at a cost of how much? Ten million. No. Molly was nodding and said it as confidently as Sam. I, I, I read ten million. Wrong. I read ten million. <laughs> Was it a pair? I got Sam's answer, which is five million, and it was the Emperor's package, which, just for interest, included five nights at the Nobu Hotel Sky Villa at Caesar's Palace, a private dinner for twelve people hosted by a famous chef that I can't pronounce his name, an around-the-clock butler service, a personal driver with a Rolls Royce for your entire stay, twelve tickets to the Paddock Club, and two tickets to see Weekends with Adele at the Coliseum. How many bed- bedrooms or beds were there in the hotel? Because if there's 12 tickets, I need 11 friends. It was a 10,300 square foot, three bedroom space containing a terrace for 75 guests overlooking the strip. So. Right. Did you say at the quality in? <laughs> Nobu. <laughs> the I'm sure there's a terrible in. hotel chain in England called the quality in. Quality in. Yeah, so kind of like a motel vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's, you know, they give you... A anyway, move on. Uh, <laughs> other other cheap motels are available. <laughs> Days in. You got Sorry. eight out of 11. Really? Oh, that's generous. <laughs> even, even by average no, standards. That was strict marking. You got well, eight. Yeah. I was not convinced. Well, I will take it. Eight yeah. out of 11. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Abby. That was the Formula Nerds quiz. So let's move into qualifying. Um, it was very early. I know a lot of people in uh, Europe probably didn't get up to watch it. Um, Abby, would you like to run us through the excitement of what happened? Yes. So in Q1, 
Alpine said that they were down on power slightly during the session. Perez was blocked by, well, he blocked Norris, who was on a fast lap, but nothing came about from that. Ferraris were looking quick. Haas were looking quick. But it was Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Joe Guan Yu, Oscar Piastri, and Yuki Tsunoda out of Q1. So both McLarens out in the first session. There was a talking point in Q1, right? Max and Ocon? Did we... Oh, here we go. Brazil. Was it 2018? When, when did those guys come to blows? Yeah, 2018 sounds right. But yeah. yeah. What, what do we think about that? I thought more could have been made of it. As in, I think there could have been. I think there could have been a penalty. Not you know. I was more disappointed drama. by the lack of action on social media. <laughs> I wanted more ridiculous opinions from ridiculous people. Well, he called it a joke incident, yes. didn't he? Yes, he did. So there was. I mean, initially, F one lacked context in what it showed. Then more context was added, showing that Ocon overtook Max on the start-finish straight, basically. But there was more context even beyond that in that Max seemed to be blocking people a lot in that run-up to the kind of final corner that's not the final corner. I think the bigger question, though, is, like, do do they need to address the fact that seemingly there was no chance of a penalty because they're both on flying laps? But if you put that in the race... It's uh, well, we'll come back to that in a bit when we get to the first lap of the race. But you know, if you go for an overtake, even if it's on a qualifying lap, and you don't make the corner, and then the other person doesn't make it through qualifying, that should probably be at least looked at, right? Well, again, was it who one of the drivers who got through, who only just got through? Norris was waiting in his car. I can't remember who it was who push Norris out of qualifying but Norris was waiting in his car to to find out their lap was deleted but there was also a question mark over whether or not they had, had blocks or impeded it on that lap as well and then it came out that it was going to be investigated after the race so you know kind of so could there be some more immediacy to these things so that say there was a penalty in that circumstance Norris could then compete in mm. Q2 so yeah there's there's certainly stuff that they could do with this whole kind of situation. I think why there weren't penalties handed out is maybe because Ocon overtaking Max in the way he did, and then Max kind of responding in kind and then taking it a little bit further. I think they probably kind of went, well, you know what? You, you, you're both being silly. So, mm. yeah, just whatever. Also, it was good to watch, right? It was something to talk about. And Lord knows F1 needed this to be uh, an interesting weekend where people actually enjoy it. So maybe they just turned a little bit of a blind eye. But also, I feel like, and this may continue through the podcast, but Max just had a beer in his bonnet this weekend, right? And up until the end of the race, he hated this place. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to do anything. um, And he was very vocal about it. It just looked like a bit of a Max not giving a moment yeah i certainly gained some more respect for max Verstappen over this weekend and i think a lot of people were saying that that he would had made some fans for himself um by how outspoken he was about his dissatisfaction towards some elements of the proceedings i think he's right ollie i know you kind of feel like oh this is this is the direction that the sport is heading in and you kind of you know you're paid a lot of money and you and yeah, they are paid a lot of money. You have to do those things. 
I think things are starting to be taken too far, and I can understand why he's a bit like, really? It's a little bit like with the all these special edition liveries and helmets. At some point, they just become not very special, and it becomes tedious. It's oversaturated. Everyone was happy it's too when, much. Yeah, when they got rid of the, the rule that they instigated for the limit, was it two or three mm. special yeah. helmets? But I like that rule. Because, like, I mean... All Seb's helmets have always had great designs on them, but he was kind of, he is the reason they brought it in because he was having a different helmet every single race. And, you know, it should be iconic. You should look at it and go, ah, there's, you know, Senna's helmet. People have tattoos of Senna's helmet. Is that iconic? And yet, yeah, now there are just too many and and they're Mm. all like half-assed a lot of the time. And and for what it's worth, I thought Max's uh, special helmet for this weekend was rubbish. Yeah, and neon it, yellow and red regular Red Bull yellow clash horribly. And, and his race, I know we're getting so sidetracked, but I like this. Um, his race suit, which was white, made him look somewhat chubby, which was quite amusing. And also, when Sergio Perez got out the car today, I thought he was a Ferrari driver, and I'd misunderstood yeah. who had finished on the yeah. podium. I was, I was, I was trying to work out which one was Charles Leclerc and which one was Sergio Perez. I was like, oh, I really need to get my glasses, like get my eyes tested again because I can't. But yeah, it just they become not very special. And when mm. what seven out of ten teams have a special livery over the weekend, mm. like come on, like who was it? Someone called out Williams for a minute. Oh, they're doing a bit much. McLaren also doing a bit much. I mean, the Williams kind of Williams Vegas sign thing that just looked cheap. It looked mm. tacky. It, that, that was probably the worst one. Uh, I actually really liked the Red Bull one, to be fair. Mm. I, I, I love the Mercedes. I thought it was very, very well done. It, obviously, it was exactly the same. <laughs> um, but I, I, while we're on it, Ferrari, red and white. They're normally red and black. Red and black is a... For anyone who's ever gambled in their life, they know that's gambling colours, right? Um, why go red and white? What was the theory behind that? And the funny thing is, everyone was like, oh, red and white Ferrari looks so good. And when it had been red and white for, what, like five, ten years, everyone was like, oh, the red and black is so... It's just like what you're used to, and then the novelty of something a bit new. Mm. The biggest the, the the biggest issue, and I actually, it's a shame, because I did, I did also quite like it, the Alfa Romeo, it just yes. looked like a Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, it did. Well, it, it messed with him at the start. Like, I was going to say, was like... it confused me, because Crofty got confused himself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it, it, a little less of that. I think. Mm. I think my, we're all my, on board with that. My wife said, "I said, oh, I actually quite like that Ferrari jumper. That it, it was Charles Leclerc wearing a a red and white one." And she said, "You know, when you scroll through Facebook and you get these fake knockoff um, team jumpers, right? And, and they're just so unbelievably fake." She said, "It looks like that. You look like an idiot if you wear it." You've reminded me <laughs> the Alpine Kappa by Palace. Uh, what launch or you know activation i think they call it um those jackets i absolutely loved but they sold out within like a minute i really wanted one but anyway that's the first time i've ever really wanted f1 merch in my life i don't actually think i have anything um so yeah so in q2 Yes. Yeah, sorry, I've taken this. Forget about Q2. This is far more interesting. Way off piece. (laughs) This is the content people want. Uh, Yeah, sorry. Q2. 
Williams were looking strong in their car that Sam didn't really like the look of. Um, Hamilton and Russell were in danger at one point, but they managed to get out of the bottom five. And then I think it was like in the final couple of minutes, all drivers went out on brand new softs, but Red Bull pulled Perez back into the pits. And it was Hamilton, Perez, Hulkenberg, Stroll and Ricardo out of Q2. Hamilton (laughs) clearly not getting out of danger. No, (laughs) he went back in and he said, I just couldn't go faster, mate, over his radio. Mm. I was a bit baffled by um, Perez and Hamilton being out at at the time. I was more baffled by... Actually, which one was I more baffled by? Red Bull's decision-making was baffling. Yeah. But also, I can't understand why Lewis couldn't go faster. It's not like he hasn't achieved a fair amount in the sport and is clearly quite talented. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And also his teammate was able to qualify pretty well. Mm. So it was a, a puzzling one. Yeah, and the I car was... I wonder if it was one where, like, F1 kind of edit the audio and don't give you the full picture. Because mm. it did seem like a weird thing to be like, nah, that, that's it, when your your teammate's got <laughs> half a second faster. like <laughs> That's because there's someone transcribing all of those back in Biggin Hill. Someone's job is literally just going, like... For 20 drivers. Well, that's Mint. their job. That you, you've yeah. hit the nail there, Sam. They've got someone to do it. They should do it faster. Oh, get two people people. if you can't do it. I bet Ollie hates it when people clap when a plane lands. I, I, I absolutely, my worst thing in the world. <laughs> Who doesn't hate that? Apart from I mean, it's awful. It's awful. Oh god, no, I don't. For I can't. I can't bear the thought of anyone finishing this podcast thinking that I clap when a plane lands. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> that is up there with proposing at someone else's wedding for me. It is that bad. To be fair, I've clapped once when I landed in Reykjavik, and I thought I was going to die. I did clap when I landed, and um, I, I would have snogged the pilot. To be honest, I was that thankful to be on the ground. <laughs> Different story. What happened in Q3? This has been the most <laughs> tangented, if that's a word, qualifying Tangental? report I've ever heard. Q3, Alonso looks up at one point. Ted Kravick said that the track and the weather generally got noticeably colder as the session went on. Um, Ferrari were looking to continue their pace and Charles got pole position, Science P2, Verstappen P3, then Russell, Gasly, Albon, Sargent, both into Q2, into Q3, sorry, Bottas, Magnussen and Alonso. But with the penalties, Science moved down to 12th, bumping Verstappen up to the front row and Stroll moved down to 19th as well. I'm going to give Sam his moment here. Do you want to talk about your man? Logan Sargent. <laughs> yeah. What a performance. <laughs> so proud of that guy. <laughs> it, it, uh, the pace has always been there. He just needed to put things a bit together over the weekend. And James Vowles was actually talking about this on, on air, saying that it's about building up into the weekend. And he just executed it brilliantly this weekend. Alex Albon is very a very, very difficult benchmark. He is just at one with that car. He's looking so much more confident and comfortable in himself and in his abilities since joining Williams. It's a tough ask for Logan Sargent, and it's nice to see things starting to come together for him a little bit because he had that real wobbly period after the summer, and it started to kind of, yeah, all uh, right when it matters most come together for uh, for next season. Let's see. I think we should also call out the Haas drivers. Um, something about that car works in cold weather. Both drivers in Q3. Thoughts? Good? It was surprising. I mean, if mm. you looked at the results of qualifying, like from what, fourth to eighth, were 
crazy. <laughs> it was what? Yeah. Uh, Magnuson, Bottas, the Williams. Like, normally you're, you're Q1 fodder, uh, making it all the way into the, the top seven or eight. And also, it's taken me months, but I've worked out what McLarens don't like. McLarens don't like cold weather. It's not about track specifics or, you know, setup. It's hot or cold. Clearly, wasn't the right environment for them. And that's why they went out in Q1. But was it was it warm at Silverstone? I can't... I, I know we were both there, but I can't really remember. I don't f- remember it being warm, but they were doing very well. I mean, I was inside, like... Oh, oh, here we go. Yes, yes. So I don't. <laughs> you were in the peasants, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting outside <laughs> with the peasants um, and getting rained. Uh, that on. wasn't even a. Oh, that time I went to Silverson because you brought it up. I'm just saying I was inside. I can't remember. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, um, that was qualifying. I felt like it wasn't as eventful as everyone thought it was going to be with drivers cutting over each other, coming out the pit exit, things like that. I felt like it was just a pretty standard qualifying apart from obviously some cars being displaced which made Sunday a bit more exciting yeah it was quite nice I think obviously that last corner which is is great kind of means that you couldn't really all stack up you had to get a long run down that kind of penultimate straight so I think that did help things I yeah I actually thought it was quite a good qualifying so maybe maybe we differ slightly in opinion only I said it. I said it wasn't the the dramatic chaos sort of qualifying where we expect okay, people yeah. crashing and you know um, snow and things like that. Anyway, we will get on to the race in just a minute. But before we do, we're going to take a short pause, and then we're going to do the world famous Formula Nerds national anthem review. Osmond doing the national anthem. I was about to say review, but doing the national anthem for the Vegas Grand Prix. We're doing the review. Um, it were it were pitch perfect. Now I sort of thought after our last episode where I said they're going to bring Whitney Houston out. Um, I do know that she's sadly passed away, but I thought they may do the hologram from the. Um, it's, you know, something like that because it's a Vegas Grand Prix. I thought they may bring her back from the Super Bowl performance. Sam is absolutely loving this. So I'm going to give it to Sam first to tell me what he thought of this performance for the uh, Las Vegas Grand Prix National Anthem. You know what? It made me proud to be American. (laughs) And I'm not even American. (laughs) I actually really liked it. Also, I think a lot of it for me was the orb with the with the um, American flag on the sphere I thought that was well yeah sorry yeah <laughs> sorry no, it's, I, <laughs> I know it's called the sphere it's just because I saw earlier um, a joke where someone when there was a safety car and it was yellow so I was like the safety orb <laughs> the safety orb has been deployed <laughs> and it made me laugh so I called it the orb by accident the sphere I love the sphere when it has the little emoji face on it makes me want to befriend it, which is really odd because it's like this huge inanimate object. But it like, yeah, I feel like I want to be best buds with with the sphere. I have a quick question about the sphere slash orb. Yep. I read that blue, red, and yellow were banned 
from it yeah. and then clearly they yes. were not yeah. what happened with that? that did anyone like did they was overturn that just it during the race but they still had like yeah they oh, had maybe. sponsors with all sorts of colors yeah. they did throughout the race, was, so yeah there was a it was mm. a huge chrome logo at one point mm. which was aggressive and definitely has blue red and yellow blue, red and yellow yeah yeah i, I don't know if there's specifics to like how much had to be or, or what shade it had to be or how much had to be one dominant color or whatever but regardless sam would befriend it couldn't yeah yes <laughs> i would uh, yeah it would be my 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 friend um the driver's saying they can actually see it from the cockpit because obviously they're so low down but anyway back to the national anthem review I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well delivered, almost too well delivered, um, but I'm willing to look past that. So, yeah, I um, I was a fan. It was more understated than I was expecting to be. I thought it was going to be ridiculous, and it wasn't. It was probably the best done one in the US this year. It doesn't beat your uh, Azerbaijan, which was your favourite this year so far. With the dresses, with them spinning with the flag. Was that, was that my favourite? Like in a good way or favourite in a bad way? Abby's now checking uh, what Sam has got. <laughs> Abby is consulting the spreadsheet. Azerbaijan, you rated mm. a nine. However, Ooh. Belgium, you rated a ten. Oh, yes, it was Belgium. Yeah, that was Belgium was banging. Love that. <laughs> um, I'm going I'm to give it an eight. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. That is your highest out of the Americas so far this year. I told you. Yeah, because you didn't like the one at Cota that I thought was brilliant. So, yeah, okay. Um, James, resident musician, what did you take of this performance? It, yeah, I was suspicious. I, I, will, I will say that. Suspicious was, mind? <laughs> no, I... Maybe he should have come out in an Elvis outfit. I think that would have added something to it. It was um, what? What would you call that? It's like one of those jock kind Tacky. of jackets, wasn't it? He was wearing. Jackets. He was wearing. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's a name for them, but yeah, anyway. Letterman jacket. Yeah, well, nice. As a man who's clearly just travelled the US. No, I just in his love Letterman jacket, American sport, and One Tree Hill. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I know, which is really nice. embarrassing for me. Seems you're ten years younger than me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, James. Uh, yeah, do continue. Yeah, I don't know. I was, I was certainly suspicious. It was very, very in tune. Uh, whether there was any auto tune or, yeah, uh, a moment going on, I will reserve judgment for now uh, and give him the benefit of the doubt, as he's a legend, Daniel Donny Osmond. Where's he come from? I haven't thought about Donny Osmond in a in a very long time. Not that I've ever particularly thought of him, thought about him. But uh, yeah, I will give him the benefit of the doubt and say it was fine, and give it a six point five. Six. There was nothing special for me to to put it above. Okay. Well, when you watched it. Uh, before we started recording, your face lit up. You were very excited. I, I thought you were going to be higher. Uh, Abby? I was pleasantly surprised with it. I was expecting this huge, extravagant thing that wasn't really needed. Um, but we didn't get that. We got Donny Osmond singing in tune. I quite like him as a singer. I liked the graphics on the sphere as well. So I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. Ooh, okay. 
Now, I listened back to a, a show we did before, and I said that uh, potentially LL Cool J was going to be there doing the driver intros. Thank God he wasn't. Um, let's just let's just take a moment to appreciate that that didn't happen again. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I'm with James. It was suspiciously in tune and perfectly balanced, but we will give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'll go. I'll go with an eight. I'll go with an eight. I, I enjoyed it. I. I I felt proud to be American, like Sam said. You put it very well there. I'm feeling validated. Thanks, Holly. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Okay, and that is the end of the world-famous penultimate National Anthem review for the year. So let's get into the race. It was all action from turn one. Abby, you normally do the turn one, so I will um, just throw it at you. Um, drama from turn one. Yes. So... First of all, Piastri ended up spilling oil on the grid ahead of lights out. So that was causing a couple of issues for those drivers on the even-numbered grid spots. But when lights went out, Leclerc was on pole. However, Verstappen managed to get ahead. And there was controversy around it. Max did get a penalty in the end because Max wasn't in front heading into the apex and both of them went wide going into turn one off the track max stayed ahead charles said he pushed me off max was like no it was like i had no grip driving on ice but he was given a five second time penalty which then resulted in the commentators discussing whether that was harsh enough or not so i think it's only right to ask james mckenzie here because you've been waiting a long time now for Leclerc to convert a pole into a win. And did you think this was the day? And what was your take? I, there was nothing he could have done there, right? He, Max just drove him off. Plain, plain simple. Yeah. I mean, I did think it was the day. I was optimistic. Uh, I'm used to everything that could possibly go wrong, for sure, going wrong. But, yeah, no, I. It, it's an absolute slam dunk. I can't believe... Like there was one point I think where someone, uh, one of the commentary teams, thought said, "Oh, maybe you know." I, I think it was Crofty saying, "Like, oh, you know, we, you're on the inside." I was like, "He didn't make the corner." Like, <laughs> it's as simple as that. He he didn't make the corner. It was, and this is the whole thing. You know, people talk about whether Max has chilled out and matured. Or Max is Max, and when push comes to shove, he will always be the same driver who and I will die on this hill, is not good in wheel-to-wheel racing. As good as he is elsewhere, he he has the, the his way or the highway. And when I say the highway, I mean, you almost literally end up on it, as in, like, not the track. He just... Obviously, there, there's the, the caveat of it being cold tyres, cold surface. But, you know that's up to him to control and he's shown he has excellent car control so yeah i i think it, it was an absolute slam dunk penalty that, that it was more the debate was like whether it was he should give the place back rather than the five second because if he had cleared off up the road yes yeah so, so there's two points there i never saw the onboard with max for that corner i saw the onboard of a lot of other drivers where they were full lock and the car just wasn't wasn't gripping so they were just going straight ahead i never saw the one on max and Point two is his engineer gave. He said, "Do what you think's right, Max." What? What does that like mean? The moral conundrum. Yeah, like, like Max is going to go. Oh, do you know what? I think the right thing to do is give him the place back. Um, 
Yeah, very odd. Red Bull should have given that play straight back. Sam, what's your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that this is exactly how we got into a mess in 2021. This bartering, this kind of oh, we're not, we're not going to penalise you. We're going to leave it to your discretion to kind of decide what you think is the appropriate penalty. It's like you know that kind of school of parenting where you you let your child decide what they think is a worthy grounding or whatever whatever punishment they feel they deserve for whatever they've done. It's ridiculous. The inmates can't run the asylum. It should be. It needs to be black and white. It needs to be clear. It needs to be, you did this, and bear in mind, I'm a big advocate of let them race, especially at the first corner. But that was clearly, he wasn't going to make the corner, he was running him off track. It was turn four in Brazil in 2021, all over again, in that approach. It shouldn't have been given to Max to decide. That's the biggest issue here. We know that the five-second penalty is is a problem anyway because, yeah, you can't just escape up the road. Didn't happen today, but the means don't justify the ends. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, swapping places. And is, is there a limit, do we know, of how long after a, an event occurs that you can then swap places back? Is it a lap? I don't actually know. There must be a limit, because otherwise it just gets silly. Well, yeah, you do it 20 laps later and you'd have to go to the back of the grid or something. But it, it felt like it just went on too long. They had made their decision. Um, yeah. Well, after that, it was then more lap one chaos, because Stroll managed to move up nine places on the grid. McLaren's both managed to move up um, quite a few places as well. But Alonso was going on the inside of turn one, but he then spun of his own accord. And then Bottas made contact with him because he braked and got hit by Perez. And then Sainz ended up on the inside of Hamilton and made contact with Hamilton, which then bumped him down to 14th. And then Perez had damage and it was all very chaotic. And this was the bit where Crofty said, it was Hamilton and Alonso because the Alfa Romeo looked like the Mercedes, but it was actually Bottas and Alonso. Yeah, that, I, I mean, it, it was all just chaos. And I think we expected that lap one at this track, right? It was inevitable. I think we said it in our in our preview. That was one of the main points was it's going to be carnage. And it uh, clearly was. Now, I barely saw this. Uh, thank you, Skygo. Uh, you've been very nice to us over the years, Sky, but can you please sort out your Skygo app for Chromebook because it keeps cutting out and I, I lost my connection and it came back literally as Crofty said, and away we go. That's when I it kicked in and I like I didn't know what was happening. Then it was total carnage and then it cut out again and it came back when Lando's in the wall. So my first three laps of the race are very blurry, aside from the fact that it was, you know, seven in the morning. But I think you've summarised it. Great, lights out, away we go. That happened, and then Lando was in the wall. It's the next talking point, naturally, isn't it? Well, hold on a second. <laughs> I thought that Alonso and Sainz, who both got themselves caught up in, in the mm. first corner, were way too opportunistic. Alonso yeah. just it was so kind of gung-ho up the inside. And he was like him. Exactly. He's so calculated and so kind of, you know, measured usually um in his racing it was just bizarre um so yeah it, they very much kind of got got what they deserved with their kind of recklessness there um but yeah it 
I'm a fan of that first quarter, actually, in hindsight. Yeah. Because it, it's, there's no, nowhere near long it's enough different. for them to kind of sort an order. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's unique and it, it is a, a difficult challenge for them. Word for Valtteri, who did not get what he deserved. Literally just stuck there, having like stood still because there was a car pointing the wrong way in front of him. I mean, maybe if he uh, was a best number two at Mercedes. <laughs> in hindsight, he actually was a really good number two. So yeah, he, was, he was perfect. I've, yeah, I've, I've changed my, my opinion of that. I, th- I think it is a good point, actually, before we move on, to talk about what we actually thought of the track, because I know you guys were a bit reserved um, on the last, last podcast. I think this turned out to be a fantastic track. It, it on paper it doesn't look it, but it brought to life what we wanted, right? On paper, it looks like Peppa Pig has had one too many <laughs> beers the night before and is conked out on her pigsty. Um, I think it is a good track. It has potentials. I think there are tweaks that need to be made. As I said at the top of the show, I think what aided it this year was the new surface, which was slippery, which will be much more settled next year. And also the fact that there's talk of the moving up the date, actually changing the the order of the calendar for next season, because it was just a bit too cold. I think there's been talk of um, it being over the weekend of the 18th of October next year, which is coincidentally my birthday. So if any of my family members are listening, just saying... No, I'm joking. So and I it's think then that my birthday, will... and then it's then Abby's birthday. I think we we could go together, right? Oh, that'd be cute. <laughs> um, I'll be inside. Um, no, um... <laughs> you, you'll be in your orb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be next to it, looking up at it, loving you. Uh, anyway, I think that you maybe won't get as good a racing in the years to come. I think it was there was circumstance that aided it. James, you were also sceptical. Thoughts? Good track, bad track. I agree with Sam. I mean, it's one of those, it's it's always dependent on the race, isn't it? People have said like, Baku's incredible. And then there's a boring race at Baku. You know, the first race at Baku, everyone's like, this is the worst track ever. It was just so boring. And then the next race was Carnage. Everyone's like, Baku's great. It's, yeah, it's circumstantial. Uh, on paper, pig or not pig, it's not a great track. It's a pretty dull track. Uh, and... I mean, yeah, they asked Max if he enjoyed it after qualifying. He just said no, one word. Uh, It doesn't look like a particularly fun track to drive. But I do think people were maybe overly harsh on it because they wanted to hate it. Yeah, and also Max Verstappen, once he had raced on it, um, did a bit of a U-turn on his thoughts on the whole weekend. Um, Okay, Abby, did you you like it? I mean, I don't want to leave you out here. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I was sceptical about it on paper. I have to renege on calling it an upside-down cow. It is more of a pig, so I agree with Sam in that respect. Um, but you yeah, said it was a 10 out of 10 layout on paper, Abby. I, I, that's because it that. looked like an upside-down animal. Um, but... I was less of a fan of pigs, of, of cows. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've got it all around, but either way. But yeah, um, I think it is circumstantial, like the guys have said. Like Brazil, I love Interlagos, but this year the Sao Paulo Grand Prix wasn't as entertaining as one would normally expect it to be. So I think I think Vegas has a lot of potential, but I do think there will be like highs and lows in terms of racing on this track. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. But I do like the first corner, and I'm glad my prediction of half the field crashing out on the opening lap into turn one didn't. Mm. Okay. Uh, it was it was uh, lap four that saw Lando Norris have initially what didn't look like a, too much of a bad incident because he hadn't gone in forwards too much. But when we look back at it, quite a large accident which had put him into hospital. Um now, they're saying this was because of a bump in the track. It did look like it. Um, clearly, it just caught him out on those tyres at that time. Do we think this was just unfortunate? These things happen on a high-speed street circuit, or there's more to it. And um, Lando is okay, by the way. I think it definitely woke me up. I mean, the race started at 6am, and then when you see Lando go into the wall, it's like, okay, now you're awake. Um it did look like a nasty crash. And like you say, Andrea Stella did say that it was a bump on the circuit that kind of just caught him out and maybe surprised him. I'm glad he's okay. I think over the radio, you could tell that he he was struggling because he kind of, he lost the car, lost the rear, spun round, was going over the track, spun and then hit the wall in the runoff front on and he still had his hands on the steering wheel and there was a replay Sky showed that when he was going across the corner onto the runoff, Piastri was like right by him and it was so close to Norris taking out Piastri. Um, but yeah, it, it's a weird one. I think the bump could have surprised him. He lost the rear and fate took its course. But I'm glad that he's okay, obviously. As for whether or not to get rid of the bump, that's a tricky one. Because there's that famous bump at Monaco that every year the drivers, they always just slightly swerve around it. They know it's there. It's part of the lap. And, I, you know, it's it doesn't have to be get rid of, get gotten rid of. Is the, the, the different factor here that it's an incredibly high-speed part of the circuit? And it is off, it's very much offline. So if you are racing, you could end up finding yourself there just instinctively. Maybe. Maybe that's why they should get rid of it, uh, over leaving it. But yeah, I, I understand why McLaren were calling for that, um, given the what turned out to be the scale of the incident, because it turned out to be a lot worse than it initially looked. Now, the next incident we had was Russell and Verstappen. Um, keen to hear your thoughts on this, James. Did you think Verstappen was just being Verstappen here? Or um, did you think, like everyone else in the world, that George Russell didn't see him and just drove into him? Well, yeah. I mean, for the first time potentially ever, George admitted his, you know, culpability in the situation. <laughs> <laughs> it was... It's because he was scared of what, what happened in Baku and Max might beat him up because do you this remember Max win, warned him? Yeah, he said next time. Yeah. <laughs> this was a win-win question for James. Is James, who would you like to criticise harder? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> everyone knows that, that, that George has not been great at accepting blame for, for situations. And this one, I actually think he was a little hard done by. He, he Clearly, he has admitted fault because he clearly didn't know that Max was there and he just turned in, which is slightly weird to not even kind of check your mirror as you turn in with a Red Bull right behind you. But fair enough. Uh, I do think that the five seconds was harsh, though. He was ahead and it was optimistic from Max. I, I get a little bit lost in the... They, I feel like they keep changing it. They changed it for this year, didn't they, about the how far alongside you have to be to have to claim the corner. 
he wasn't fully alongside. He was, what, three quarters alongside. And if George had seen him, he probably would have struggled to make the corner, that the kind of trajectory that Max was on. So I don't know. I thought the five seconds was a little harsh. I don't know. Mm. I feel like had George been more conscious of his, his surroundings, which, as you say, you'd expect him to be in that scenario, it, the, the crash wouldn't have happened. It was a very opportunistic move, don't get me wrong, but it was aggressive, hard racing. And I think Max was fine in his placement of the car, clearly made the corner. I think George is the one who ultimately is the one who who caused the decision there, so the, the collision. So I think... For me, I'm I'm happy with that five second penalty. I think I think that was a fair fair cop. Okay, um, it's time to talk about. I think we need to talk about Leclerc and his various battles. I mean, Perez found himself um, up in the mix today as well, battling with Leclerc, battling for the win. Um, throughout sort of the final stages of the race, I wasn't sure who was going to win this, and that's a nice feeling when you're an F1 fan, especially this season, to not really know who's going to win it. Quite For quite a while, I thought, Perez has got this. He's absolutely got it. Leclerc was coming back. They were overtaking each other. Abby, what did you think of the action? Um, do you think Leclerc did all that he could do today? I think he probably gave it his best shot, but at some point knew... I'm not going to win this, which is a shame because he was on pole position and once again he's failed to convert it to a race victory. Um, but he he did play the race, well, he did drive the race really well. He managed to do quite a few overtakes. His battle with Perez, especially his very late move on the final lap to get ahead into P2 rather than stay in P3, that made me very happy because I wanted Charles to do well. Um, but yeah, he, he did... He did well, but not well enough. See, I, I see it slightly differently. I don't think you can really fault his performance. Okay, apart from the mistake that led to him losing the position to Perez towards the end, which he then, you know, corrected, as we know. So I don't think he, he really could have... That was the only foot he put wrong. I think he had a really strong race. I don't think he could have done much more. Ultimately, what cost him victory was, somewhat ironically... George Russell and Max Verstappen's incident, which obviously then... That's what I was about to the, say. It was the safety car. such a Verstappen, like, or such a 2023 thing that Max yeah. tangling with another driver ends up with him winning. Like, it's just, it's just how this season has been, isn't it? <laughs> Even when you, it looks like, you look at it and go, oh, you know, he's got damage. No, it's, it's played into his hands in the long term and screwed over poor Charles. And that's, that's how things tend to go in 2023. James, did you think Charles could win this throughout the race, or did you think that Red Bull pace was always going to bite him? No, no, I thought. I mean, the, it turned out that the Red Bulls were better uh, in the second half of the race on on the hard and the medium. But I think, I think he probably would have had them covered without without the the safety car. <laughs> I thought it was funny the the moment in the. <laughs> Totally bizarre, by the way, limo yeah. cool down, uh, where he noticed, like he he saw it dawn on him of that like Ferrari screwed up again moment, like of just his PTSD kicking in. Um, but I, it, they were kind of in defence of Ferrari. They were in that position of the leader always gets screwed. Like whatever you do, the the rest are going to do the opposite. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it was unfortunate, and that that was it really. 
Mm. To, to to get P2, I think, was as good as the win for him today. I, you know, I didn't think he was going to hold on to that, and he did. God, I can't. You were, when you said today, I was like, "What are you talking about?" And it is, it's the same. <laughs> I mean, it were over God, fourteen my. hours ago, but yeah. Oh goodness, yeah. I, I don't think that was a Ferrari mess up. I don't think they could have done anything different because they would have had they pissed him. They would have put him onto another set of hards, and he still wouldn't have had the pace of the Red Bulls, and he'd be further back in the pack. So yeah, I think their strategy was right. They just got unlucky with the with the safety car, but. Perez, on the other side of it, I don't think you can talk about Leclerc's race without talking about Perez's race because they were obviously so closely intertwined. I feel like we saw the best and worst of Sergio Perez t- today. It He capitalised on the chaos to work his way up through the field, looked composed, looked calm, made the move on Charles, looked very, very comfortable, and then for some reason, too comfortable. And he gave... Look like the opportunity to get back in front, which then left him at the mercy of Verstappen behind. And you know that once Verstappen's in that window, he's going to get past, and that's going to be it, right? That's going to be done. So that was, yeah, disappointing. And then to further compound that, he was gifted that opportunity with Charles later in the race, and somehow didn't convert that into a P2. The last, the last real corner of the last lap, like, come on. He 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 needed to be aware that Charles might put it down the inside full on dive bomb. It just wasn't very good defensive driving, and it should have been. And that's the second time in two races that that has cost him a position. So yeah. Whilst we're on hypotheticals, I think one of the uh, the big what ifs of the race is Lewis. Like without that, and it was so unlucky for he and Oscar. Like the slightest of like wheel face to wheel face contacts that we see all the time, whether it was to do with temperature or whatever, I don't know, but yeah, giving them both a puncture and, you know, Lewis having just gone past the pit lane. I think the way you see where he was ahead of Checo, obviously in this hypothetical universe where they don't have that contact, but the contact still happens between George and Max. He, I think he genuinely could have been fighting for the win because whatever issues he had in qualifying seemed to be because he had set up the car for the race and he was flying. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that slow Mercedes in a straight line wasn't, and you know, he was battling all the way through to finish the race in seventh after being the last, um, was an incredible comeback drive. And, uh, you know, it never looks good when you finish in seventh and you're a seven time world champion and, you know, people only see the results and that's how they remember it. But it was an incredible drive. And one thing I just wanted to just, touch on uh, while Sam said it was Perez also had a lifeline Max decided to be a team player for probably the first time that I've ever seen where he he slowed down a second in a sector to give to well to slow up Charles Leclerc so that he could get that position back and he still couldn't capitalize on it but Max playing that game come on guys we can do this Has, has he ever said that before it was we got a very very strange Max Verstappen this weekend. <laughs> it was like the antithesis of what you'd expect. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess every, the, the weights off. If you want to play into kind of theories, I know me and James we've we've talked about this in terms of Red Bull. Maybe they've softened their approach with Sergio Perez because they know he's going. 
And it's that kind of why add one more nail to the coffin? Maybe it's an element of that. Maybe it's a look, he is actually going to go at the end of the year. So let's kind of let him go out on a high. Who knows? I'm just just going to throw that into the ether. Well, we said that on the Mexico City Grand Prix review, where it was, well, we know he's going anyway, so we're not too angry that he crashed it in turn one. You know, let's be nice to him. But maybe that's why Max is like, oh, help him along. He'll be gone in a minute anyway. It doesn't really matter. I've won the championship. Interesting. Abby, you've been very quiet throughout this episode. Any other key call-outs you want to call from the race? From the race? No, after the race, yes. Um... But no, just with Perez, I completely agree on what you guys said. He should have been able to capitalise on keeping P2 and not letting Charles get ahead. Um, but yeah, it was... I feel I kind of feel like he might stay for 2024 now. I don't know why, but I'm leaning more towards him staying rather than leaving. Probably because yeah. he finished on the podium. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Okay, so it was Verstappen who won that Las Vegas Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc in second. Perez third. Ocon, who we haven't really spoken about, finished in fourth. Stroll had a mega performance, finished in fifth. And again, we don't have all the time in the world to discuss everyone. Uh, Carlos Sainz finished sixth with Hamilton seventh, Russell eighth, Alonso ninth, and Oscar Piastri. Uh, amazing comeback drive to finish in tenth. So we don't have time to discuss the Alpine drivers, but we do have time to discuss the Alpine jackets. <laughs> that was Sam. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am sorry. James, if you want to put a special mention in, if there's anything you need to say. No, no. You, you carry on. <laughs> Can we just talk about the ending of the race with that cool down car thing? going to the hotel apparently they can only afford one microphone to pass between the drivers and david coulthard and then the fountains and like why well yeah and also no one knew what car they were getting in it was it was like going on a like a trip with your parents right where you've got max sitting in the middle mr smug boy i'm in i'm in the middle you've got charles leclerc who's He's heartbroken sitting next to him. Doesn't want to talk about this race. Well, Max wants to talk about every single moment that happened. And then you've got who I thought was another Ferrari driver, but it's actually Sergio Perez sitting on the other side. It was it was weird. And they didn't know where they were going. Exactly. And it's like, I get that it's Vegas, right? But where is the respect to the fans and the drivers who have just finished in the podium places. You make them get in a car, travel to a hotel, speak to David Coulthard, post-race interviews, fine. But then they have to stand there and watch these fountains that weren't that spectacular, in my opinion, (laughs) before they then go and go back to then go on the podium. Mm. mm, It seemed like one of those things where, like, People would be like, oh, it'd be cool if we, you know, took them to the fountain. Then you go, like, yeah, it would be cool, but that that's a bit much. Like, let's scrap <laughs> it took that idea. So long as like, well, yeah. It and, did. It was, like, <laughs> and you've just got Max sitting in the middle, so happy about everything that happened. Oh, I love Vegas now, and he's talking. It's, and the thing about Max Verstappen is that he can remember every single detail of everything that happened, and he's just sitting there talking about it all, getting happy, and every, no one else is happy about it. <laughs> and Charles um, trying to block it out, put, yeah. it, put it into that. <laughs> That bit of his mind where he puts all the pain. Um, but no, it, no, it was Max like going from this is the worst race ever, 99% this, what like to singing Viva Las Vegas in his Elvis suit 
Yeah, I mean, you touched on it earlier, but that that was an about turn if I've ever seen one. If you if you said to me at the start of the season, Max Verstappen will be in an Elvis suit singing Viva Las Vegas, I would have told you where to get off. Uh, I, I, I think James is absolutely right, though. It screams of intern who wanted to contribute in a team meeting vibes, and somehow it's just got through the vesting process, and they're sitting in the car, and someone's going actually, this is a terrible, terrible idea. And, you know, however long later, we're still waiting for the drives to return. Like, yeah, it was like, I, I was, I was asleep pretty much by this point. <laughs> the opening ceremony, I kind of got, I mean, I was watching it and then kind of forgot that it was to do with F1 until they announced the F1 drivers. That was like a good start to the weekend because it was a good concert, some good music. And then it just, it just let it down because it was so long before the podium. I didn't like that bit. Mm. It, it, it was bizarre. I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. We have seen podiums in different areas of the track, like in Mexico, for example. It's not on the pit lane, but it's not, you know, down the motorway, take a left and well, go thought, to the water fountains in a car, is it? I thought they were driving them to the podium. But no, they didn't. They then had to drive them back to the podium. Mm. <laughs> bizarre. Well, that's what we thought of that. Um, guys, driver of the day and why? Abby. I'm going to go with... Oh, no, who do I go with? Um, I have two choices. I'll go with Ocon. Because we haven't mentioned him much, but I feel like he wasn't mentioned much during the race either he had quite a quiet race I feel like in terms of being on screen but he started 17th I think and then he finished fourth he had quite a good race didn't really have much trouble throughout it so I feel like he had a solid performance Mm, I mean quite a good race is an understatement when you start in 17th and finish fourth you know if that were anyone else we'd be screaming and shouting about it but yeah, it well, it was understated though. I'm I'm with you on that, Sam. It was a it was a Carlos Sainz like drive, just totally on the radar. To be fair, and another one, I'm, I'm going to go for another Carlos Sainz like drive that went completely under the radar. I will caveat that by saying that these guys were able to profit and capitalize on the first safety car to very very good effect, which was further compounded by the second safety car. Whereas the guys who were in the top ten at the start of the race were screwed by it a little bit. But anyway. Lance Stroll, absolutely brilliant drive. And a wonderful, wonderful overtaking move on the Williams as well. Full on, like, so far back, dive bombed, very controlled, hit the apex, beautiful chef's kiss. Uh, So, yeah, I thought it was a very, very strong performance. Um, It's nice to see him have a couple of weekends where he's looked much stronger of late. And, uh, yeah, it's it's promising uh, for the end of the season and if he stays because obviously that he's another driver whose future is very much up in the air at the moment yeah absolutely good good mention Uh, James has chosen Charles Leclerc and I will go for (laughs) uh, James yeah no fine I mean I was actually going to go for Ocon or Stroll but you've taken them both and then that's uh, the obvious next choice so yes Charles you're correct Carry on. I will go for uh, Hamilton and the reason I'm going for Hamilton um, is some of the overtakes 
in that last corner were just death-defying. Um, and it was really exciting to watch. And I thought, okay, th- this is Hamilton really giving it today. Um, and it was a good comeback drive. Like you said, James, he would have finished a lot higher. Um, I just thought it was good entertainment and some really brave moves. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give it to Lewis Hamilton. And again, no one picks the race winner. So there is actually still a lot to play for in the World Championship. I think we should do a midweek show where we talk about what can be settled in the last Grand Prix of the year, which is the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Um, But until we do that, thank you very much for listening. Abby, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me as always. And Sam, thank you for being here. I feel like you've lost your energy towards the end of this show. You, 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 You look shattered. Oh, I felt bad. It was the Alpine jacket thing. I felt like I'd, I'd taken us off 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 path one too many times. Are you sitting off-piste. there self-reflecting? Well, is that what it is? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm going to be thinking about it. it's three a.m. I'm going to be trying to sleep and I won't be able to. Um, I'm also going to think about it three years from now at three a.m. when I can't sleep because uh, that's just who I am. Maybe your next article should be on Alpine, and then you can just balance it. Maybe I'll ask if they can send me one of the jackets. <laughs> All that. But yeah, no, I wanted to try and rein it in a little bit. But thank you for having me. I've loved it. And James, thank you very much for your dedication to still be at work with a microphone in your hand. And I know you need to get back to your little boys. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you. I mean, I, I'll, my passing thought for the weekend, because, you know, it was... No one knew what to expect, but I'll say, now pardon my French, fitting being in France, but people thought it would be a shit show it was a shit show at points but in the end it was quite a good show (laughs) I was actually expecting French I was as well (laughs) (laughs) okay well thank you very much for listening that is the end and goodbye you're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast it's lights out and away we go Podcast Network.